This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 832. My motivation now is twofold. One is to, you know, I'm looking more at retirement soon from my, my day job. So to have that passive income. And then two was to provide a legacy for my two boys. I'm an older guy, right? So I'm 47. Uh, I've got a wife. I've got a kid. My goals were basically like, hey, I want to set something up. You know, cash flow wasn't the number one thing for me because I'm looking 10, 15 years down the line when we want to retire. So getting into this deal was basically like, hey, let me see that I can do this. Let me see that I can make this happen. And then let me repeat it. What's going on, everyone? It's David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, the biggest, the best, the baddest real estate podcast in the world every week, bringing you the stories, how-tos, and the answers that you need to be successful and make smart decisions in this current ever-changing real estate market. Today's show, my co-host Rob Abasolo and I will be interviewing agents and their clients who have found deals that work in today's market. Both of these investors live in markets different than where they're investing, so they're using long-distance real estate investing principles to help put these deals together, and we're going to be explaining what they found, how they found them, and how they put it together. Rob, what should investors be on the lookout for in today's shows to help them with their business? Honestly, they should be looking at their relationship with their realtor and being honest and asking themselves, is my realtor this good? Is my realtor asking these types of questions? And is my realtor well-versed in FSM? And if you don't know what that means, and you're going to want to stick around until the very end because we get into it with one of our realtors on the show. That's a great point. And if you're interested in seeing what a good realtor looks like, check out episode 826, where we did a show where we took a realtor and a loan officer that both work with me and interviewed them to say, how do you two work together to get clients into contract in a very difficult market? Now, before we bring in today's guests, I just want to remind everyone that both investors were starting later in life. These are not 21-year-olds that already have a portfolio of 40 properties like you typically see in the thumbnails. These were people that have just lived their life, saved some money, and they're getting started investing at a later stage, yet they were able to use their experience, their knowledge, their networking, and the resources that they had to find really good deals. And I'd love to see more of you do the same. And just a reminder before today's show, today's quick tip. Remember that Bigger Pockets has an agent finder that you can use to take your first step into a new market. Find your real estate agent who can help you calculate cash flow and find the best neighborhoods for your strategy instead of talking about granite countertops and cute backyards. Go to biggerpockets.com slash agent finder to match with an investor-friendly agent now. It's fast, it's free, and it's easy. That's biggerpockets.com slash agent finder. You can even find me there. All right, let's get to our first guest. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your resident's living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. 
The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Keith and Peter, welcome to the show. Dave and Dahlia, nice to have you as well. Excellent. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks, someone. Glad to be here. Doing great. Excited to be here. All right, Keith, let's kick things off with you. Tell us what were your goals with this deal and how long have you been investing for? Uh, I was looking for uh, just a long-term rental property. Um, my goals for this deal was basically, I, I was looking for a long-term rental. And that was basically it. Um, I had been investing, honestly, I didn't buy my first deal until February of this year, but I'd been looking at real estate and meeting with people for about a year and a half um total now but um but yeah i i i wanted to get in i live in los angeles so i wanted to get into a market that was a little more affordable for me um and i had met through a real estate meetup um some guys who were uh investing in indianapolis and that one of the one of the partners lived there and so i got to know them they started talking to me about you know what you can do in indianapolis versus los angeles um, and it was all very interesting. Um, so when, very cool, man. Yeah. When I, I, and, and uh, what do you do for a living now? Uh, I own a medical transportation company. So I've done that for about the last decade. Um, I, it's given me an opportunity. At, you know, I, I built it to a point where I now have enough free time and capital that I wanted to do something else with my money than just, Put it in the stock market. Okay, and so you you were saving money. You have a, a pretty good business under your belt. You start going to real estate meetups and kind of getting involved with the community. So you buy your first deal this last February. Congratulations on actually getting into your first deal. What were your goals? Like, did you set goals getting into real estate, or were you sort of like, I'm just going to figure it out? Um, no, I mean, my goals were. I'm 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 an older guy, right? So I'm 47. Uh, I've got a wife. I've got a kid. My goals were basically like, Hey, I want to set something up for us. Um, you know, for our future, something that's going to appreciate in value, something where we could possibly cash flow. It wasn't, you know, cash flow wasn't the number one thing for me because I'm looking 10, 15 years down the line when we want to retire. So getting into this deal was. Was basically like, hey, let me see that I can do this. Let me see that I can make this happen. And then let me repeat it. So tell me, like, now that you've sort of been in this real estate side of things and actually getting your feet wet, what do you think is more important for your personal situation? Is it cash flow? Is it appreciation? Is it a beautiful balance of both? <laughs> it depends. If you ask my wife, she wants the cash flow so she can retire. <laughs> for me, I, uh, you know, I, for me, it's, Look right now, especially because I'm I I bird this deal. Um, if you can cash flow a hundred or two hundred dollars a month, I think you're doing great. As long as you're in an area where you know the appreciation is going to be there. So for me, 
I'm looking 10, 15 years down the line. I'm looking at appreciation more than I am cash flow right now. Very cool. And so for everyone at home that doesn't know, just a refresher, a burr is basically a buy, rehab, rent, refinance. And if you do that all well, uh, well enough, you're able to, in theory, pull out most, if not all of your cash. Our friend David here is the king of that. So very, very cool that you were able to pull this off. Can you tell us a little bit about what your buy box was when you started looking into this deal? Yeah. So <laughs> my Bob, my buy box started out as a hey, three, two. I want, you know, at least 1200 square feet. Um, you know, 5,000 square foot lot, some, something along those lines. But what, you know, Peter kind of, kind of had to inform me <laughs> about was in, in Indianapolis, you know, Two ones, three ones, four ones are 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 what you're going to find a lot of. Like a three two or a a two two or a, or a four two, they're less common than having a one bath. Which you know, coming from California, it's just really different. It's um, you know, it's very rare that you find houses out here that only have one bath with four bedrooms. But out there, it's it's common. So I adjusted, I adjusted down to a two one after, after having a conversation with Peter. Sure. Yeah. That's always the, the bummer thing is when I feel like I find a really, really good deal, there's always just one bathroom. <laughs> David, I know that you're a, a big proponent of if there's extra square footage and you can convert it into a bedroom, let's get that bedroom in there. Did you have a philosophy on ever adding bathrooms to your burrs? Always. I think you should always look at real estate from, I call them real estate goggles. Like when you put these lenses on and you see what a property should be not what it is. And it's hard to describe it. It's kind of a philosophy. People like things explained in a framework and I don't know that I can give them a blueprint, but it's like, why is this bedroom so huge? I could put four beds in here. This should be two smaller bedrooms. Or why is there one bathroom and that's it? We could put another bathroom over there. So I I thought it was funny, Rob. I caught your subtlety when you said, every time I find a great deal, there's always ironically happens to be something missing from it, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that's, uh-huh. that's why it's there. If anybody missed that. So looking at real estate in today's market, where we say you got to make a deal, not just find a deal is about seeing a property and saying, this is what it could be. This is what it should be. This is the highest and best use of this property. And then asking yourself how cheaply and how productively could I add a bedroom, add a bathroom, add a space, add square footage, manipulate the square footage, move the walls around, do something to make this property perform better. Yeah, to add on that too. So you're right, the addition part of it's big, but there's also a reverse strategy to go down, especially in the bedroom count, not in bath count, of course, but in India, especially we see a lot of four bed, one bath homes, like Keith mentioned, but they're small. You're talking these little closet style bedrooms, you know, eight by eight. And so it actually makes more sense to take that 1500 square foot house and turn it into a three, two, create a master bath or, you know, a master suite with an ensuite bath, walk-in closet, kind of modernize it. Um, so there, you know, that can be value at play where it seems like you're taking it down or not. You're actually adding value by, by dropping down and making rooms more spacious. Yeah. That, that's a really interesting technique. So, so Keith, when you were looking at this deal, um, you're obviously looking at the configurations of it. Were there any other particular criteria that you were evaluating? Uh, I mean, in terms of the house itself, I, I, again, I went down to a three-one. The square footage of it, uh, oddly enough, it's a nine hundred and sixty square feet, but that is the same size as the four-bedroom, one-bath that I bought. As wait, my sorry, first deal. You, you went down to a three-one or a two-one? A two-one, a two-one. This deal is a two-one. Um, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, but I mean, as far as what I was looking for in terms of the deal was, you know, would it pencil as a long-term rental? Well, the ability to always kind of lean back on that LTR strategy just in case it covered the bases. And then, you know, the appreciation was a, a big part of it. You, cause 
in 10 years, even if I'm you know breaking even, I'm going to have that equity uh, that I can borrow against, use uh, whatever you might do with it down the road. Yeah, that's exactly right. Peter, Peter was instrumental in um, giving me the direction of where I should be looking to buy these properties in for appreciate for appreciation. So that was the other the other caveat that I wanted with this with this property, even yeah. if it didn't cash flow now that it would appreciate. Um, yeah. So obviously, uh, you know, having an investor friendly agent is super pivotal in your first deal. How else was Peter able to help shift your mindset or your POV on this deal? Um, again, he got me, you know, thinking more uh, about uh, you know, getting down into a two one. Um, uh, a house instead of, you know, a three, two that I was looking at, um, instrumental in helping me look at the areas that I needed to be looking at to get that, uh, to get that kind of deal and also run the comps and ARVs in these areas to make sure that, you know, we were investing right. And we're going to move on to the individual details of this deal, but I want to ask before we do, just to clarify the reason that you went from looking at four bedroom houses to two is because even though the four bedrooms look good in theory, in practice, it's hard to find a tenant for them or they appraise for less because of functional obsolescence. The bedrooms are too small. Is that right? Yes. Um, that, that was one of the, one of the things I was saying earlier was that my four bedroom, one bath house that I bought is the exact same square footage as the two bedroom, one bath house I bought. So yeah, it's, it's really hard to make those work. So the tenants just go look at the house and say, nope, I don't want it. It looks like a prison cell. That's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. but in the MLS, it shows us four bedrooms. The reason I'm bringing this up is that's an example, but there are so many examples of things that agents know about a specific market that your buyer, especially long distance, cannot understand. The individual dynamics, the things that don't show up on a spreadsheet. And I notice a lot of people show up and they're told to tell their agent, here's what I want, go find it, versus asking what is working in this market. What strategies work here? What do tenants look for? Which neighborhoods are appreciating? What do you see other people having success with? And then asking, can I adopt that strategy within the, you'll have a much smoother ride if you take that approach. Okay. So first, first and foremost, what kind of property is it? Uh, this is a single family house, two bedroom, one bath, 960 square feet. Okay. And, uh, and Peter, I'm going to toss this one over to you. How are you guys able to find this deal? So Rob, this is an MLS deal. Um, kind of, you know, Nothing glamorous about it, but the interesting thing was that it had been on the market for a really long time, 211 days, if I remember correctly. And so it, it got an overlooked. It actually been under contract uh, once before as well. So yeah, it, once Keith and I kind of uh, honed in the criteria, we've settled on a few neighborhoods to focus on. This one came up. Actually, sorry. Uh, we, we saw it because it had been sitting there for a while, but I set up the search for him. So, you know, of course, emailed them all the uh, available properties in that neighborhood. And that one kind of caught his eye. So we did some digging on it. Uh, do you want me to get into kind of the specifics of what we did in terms of numbers there? Yeah, well, yeah, sure. Why don't you tell us um, how much it was? Uh, so listed for one forty nine nine originally, so one hundred fifty thousand. Uh, they dropped the price over time to one forty five. We got it under contract for Keith at one thirty. <laughs> nice. Uh, ended up negotiating a nine thousand dollar price reduction during inspection. So ultimately, he closed for one hundred twenty one thousand in April of this year. Very cool. Okay, so that's a, that's a relatively big drop in price there, Keith. Were there any special tricks of the trade that you did to uh, negotiate the price? Uh, that was all Peter. I mean, obviously, you have to have your inspections done and all of that. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it. I don't. I think we kind of lucked out with the person that was selling the place to not really knowing what they were doing. But, um, but, uh, yeah, no, I left that all up to Peter as far as negotiating, um, the prices and what would, 
what would work and what wouldn't. Yeah. So tell us about that, Peter. What what did you do? You know, how were you as a seller and get, I mean, effectively $30,000 off the price tag? Oh yeah, close. Yeah. So what I really did here was dig into the listing itself and get all the information I could on the property so we could leverage it, uh, you know, and strengthen our position. So what I mean by that, so number one, been on the market forever. It had fallen out of contract before. It had fallen out because it had a foundation, a couple issues going on, and the buyer was spooked and they bailed. Uh, there was a contractor estimate on it, so we got that in advance. Uh, it was also agent owned, uh, so the agent was, you know, also the seller of this property. So I knew I was going to be dealing directly with the person who could make those decisions. And as Keith uh, mentioned, it didn't quite seem like they they maybe knew what they were doing too well. You know, responses were slow. They didn't have ins- uh, utilities on for inspection. Just some kind of a easy blunders that they made. But nonetheless, um, she took all that information knowing they, they'd been holding it forever. They couldn't sell it. They were running into foundation problems. And we we leveraged that to, to get the price down as much as possible. And they made a crucial error here in the fact that that agent owner did not pre-negotiate the foundation problem. So they already knew it was there. They had a bid. They gave it to us, told us about it. But then they failed to get that negotiated up front. They allowed us to just keep the normal inspection contingency in place, go in there, do our inspections, and then renegotiate it, even though this was a, a, a previously uh, you know, uh, disclosed item. And so that, that was their error. <laughs> that is a big error. And what, what you're getting at there, Peter, for those that are not real estate agents might not catch this, when you know there's an issue with the house, you're better off as a seller to negotiate it when you have the leverage, which is before you go into contract. There are no ways out of a contract for a seller. There are many ways out for a buyer. So the general rule to understand is when it's your listing, you have all the power until you go into escrow because you can sell to other people. When you're in escrow, the situation can never get better for you, but it can get worse. They can lower the price. They can ask for repairs. They can delay the process. There's a lot of things that could happen. So when you know you have issues, before you go into contract, say, hey, we have these foundation issues. Here they are. Don't just hope that they're not going to find them. They're absolutely going to come up, especially if you know it. And try to negotiate what credit they're going to get for that rather than waiting until you're in escrow and now you're two to three weeks in and they're coming back. They're going to get more if you did it the other way. Great point there, Peter. And I think, Keith, you mentioned that the listing agent wasn't very good. That's another thing to look for. Like (laughs) I purposely target properties that have agents that are not very good because it's a great way that you can save money. And the funny thing is a lot of the people that hire these agents brag to their friends that they only paid 1% or only pay 2% on the listing commission. And then they proceed to lose like 10% (laughs) on the negotiation side. That's a a frequent error. Have you seen that too, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Um, well, awesome. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, congrats. Congrats on the price reduction. Keith, tell us a little bit about how you funded the deal. So this deal, I came in uh, cash um, and then I ended up refinancing out um, into a... Uh, I, I I refinanced out on a non-conventional loan with a local credit union on a 5-5 arm. So five years... Um, it doesn't reset. It's not like a five one where it resets every year. The interest rate adjusts. The only thing that they will do since they are a cr- small credit union is that if the rates drop more than half a percent, they will bring your rate down for a couple. I mean, for a nominal fee, it was like a couple months worth of interest or something to bring the rate down. But on a five five arm, it won't readjust for it up. It won't readjust up for five years. So a 5-5-R means the first five years, you're locked in. After that, it can only adjust every five years, as opposed to what we normally hear is a 5-1, which means you're locked in for five years. Then every year, it can adjust. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
That's an interesting note. So why did you choose that route, Keith? Was it just because it was a lower interest rate or? It was a lower interest rate. Um, also, I'd, uh, I, you know, I, based on where interest rates are now, five years being locked in, if it penciled as a long term now, I knew that hopefully over five years, rents would go up, my cash flow would go up. And then if I needed to, or I, if rates come down enough and I want to refi out into a, like a 30 year, um, the penalty for refiing out of that five, five arm was really, really low. So for me, it didn't make any sense to take a higher rate now if I didn't need to. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, what did you end up doing with this property? I actually turned it into a uh, midterm rental. Um, it would cash, it wouldn't, ca- it would break even as a long term rental. Um, I put it up on uh, uh, like Furnish Finder and Zillow and uh, even Airbnb at 30 days. Um, and now, uh, I'm actually cash flowing pretty good on this property. So I'm keeping it right now as a midterm. If anything ever changed or, uh, I needed to, I could turn it back into a long-term rental and make it work. It would still work, but right now it's working just fine as a, as a midterm. Okay. So yeah, we usually call that, well, the, the term that I've, that I coined was the burster. And then we actually just came up with the barometer last week on the pod, which is a burr into a midterm rental. Can you tell us the cash flow difference between the long-term rental and the midterm rental? Like what would you make on a long-term rental versus what you're cash flowing on the midterm rental? So I would basically break even on a long-term rental. And right now I'm cash flowing about $700 a month hey, okay. uh, as a midterm. Yeah. So not... so. Great for me, especially where I thought I was going to be breaking even, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm coming out. Yeah, about $700 a month. Rob, you want me to break down the numbers for you? Yeah, but I was going to ask. Yeah, well, can you tell us a little bit about the actual budget and everything on the burr? All right. So, uh, so Keith bought this for 121000 He got about 35000 in renovations on it. So all in about one fifty five, And it was appraised for two hundred three. So after the refi, he left about $2,500 in the deal. And he spent about $12,000 furnishing the property. So round up a little bit, about 15 k in the deal. Uh, total PITI was a little over 1400 And obviously, you got some utility expenses, some landscaping, et cetera. So uh, $2,200 on the medium-term rental. So as he said, about $700 a month cash flow. So that's, you know, I got to do the math exactly. But in my head, about 50, 55% or so cash on cash yeah. return right there. Um, and had he long-term rental, that, as he said, it was just about breaking even. We estimated the long-term rent to be in the $1,500 to $1,600 range. So, you know, a, a difference of six, $700 when he switched over to the medium term per month. Yeah. And, and some people, yeah, they get kind of caught up on leaving money in the deal. But if you would think about it, I mean, the, if you were going to buy this property conventionally with like an in, investor loan, for example, you would have to put 20% down. So even at the, uh, what was it? A hundred and fifty thousand dollars, let's say 121. Yeah, 121. Okay. Great. 20% of that is going to be, yeah. 20,000. Yeah. So you'd have to pay more, more money in the deal. Exactly. So, you know, you put a little bit more sweat equity in this deal to make it happen, but you effectively have a much higher return as a result. So very, very cool. Did you feel pretty good about the ARV walking into this? Like, did you know, did you have a, were you able to comp it out pretty closely to that ARV? 
Yeah, absolutely. We we had estimated about 200 grand. So I mean, it, it nearly hit the nail on the head with the 203 valuation. Very cool. Okay. And just for anyone at home, ARV is the after repair value. So that is what the house is worth after you fixed it up. Um, now, Keith, I know you mentioned that you put it on Furnish Finder and you turned it into a midterm rental. Did Furnish Finder actually turn out to, to work out and get you your leads and get your place booked or are you using other platforms as well? Uh, no, it actually, I mean, uh, when I, I, when I put it on Furnish Finder, I also put it on Airbnb and I put it on Zillow and, uh, Zillow was the first place I got, um, my renter who's in there now, who's been in there the whole time. Um, he's uh, actually a, a guy doing construction work in Indianapolis. And so he needed a place to stay and he's been there for the last couple of months and it's, it's been great, but it was from Zillow actually. That's great. All right. So what lessons did you learn from this deal? Keith, we'll start with you and then Peter, I'll ask you. Especially if you're investing out of your own market, you really need to find somebody who knows the market well, who can guide you on to, uh, to where to buy, how to buy, what's going to work, what's not going to work. Also with this deal, there was a found, you know, people usually run when they hear foundation issues because it, it scares them, right? They don't know. They, they can, they can get pretty costly, but if you, no, you can factor that into the deal that you're going to make. Then you know, don't be scared of of things that that sound that scary because sometimes they're sometimes they're not. Sometimes you can get a great deal. Peter, so I have four main takeaways from this deal. So number one, I think the most important one is that there's still deals to be had in today's market. I mean, Keith bought this in April of this year, and he just you know refinanced out a few months ago. So this is a very recent deal in today's market with today's rates. He made it work and. Uh, I, I think it's a big takeaway because all I hear is, oh, there's no cash flow. There's no money to be made. The market's dead. I know you guys hear that every single day as well. And it's just not true. He's a real world example of it actually working out. And uh, number two, use all information available to leverage your position. You know, don't be, don't be afraid to dig into the details a bit more and use whatever you find to your advantage. Three, Keith already mentioned, uh, take advantage of factors that may scare off other buyers. Buyers hate the F word, they hate the S word, and they hate the M word. So foundation, structural, mold, those three things, just you see panic going to people's faces when they hear that. Uh, when in reality, most of these uh, situations are fixable and not always as costly as people anticipate. Now, with foundations, yes, I mean, I've seen $100,000 uh, bids on repair, and, and there are some ones that you need to run from, but this was under $10,000. And again, Keith factored those numbers into the deal from the get-go so there's nothing to be afraid of and it's fixed. Everything's just fine. So all those other buyers missed out on this deal because uh, they couldn't look past the, that F word. And four, don't be able to be afraid to pivot on your strategy. Keith originally went into it, number one, looking for a three bed, two bath and a long-term rental. And he ended up with a two, one medium-term rental. Go figure, you know, but as he got into it, he kept his mind open. We looked at the opportunities as they presented themselves. And again, he pivoted accordingly and it ended up really working out for him in the end. Awesome. Rob, what about you? What are some takeaways you took from this one? Yeah, you know, I, I was just reflecting, Peter. It is really nice that you know your stuff, the F, the S, the M word. Um, I, th I believe those were the three. And it's funny because when I was getting into real estate, I remember I had to sign an addendum that was like the lead paint addendum, you know, the one that's standard with all houses. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to die if I step inside the house? And I called my realtor and, she, you know, she kind of explained it to me and kind of talked me down the ledge because I was ready to walk away. I was like, wait a minute, there's lead paint in here. And I think most of the time it's right. Like having a realtor that has been through that journey has been very helpful. Um, especially, you know, when it comes to foundations, I agree. That's a very scary thing for me. Luckily, in most of the cases, I would say in the last 
five foundation issues I've had, they've all cost between $1,500 to $3,500 to fix. So it always, most of the time, ends up being a lot less stressful, but it does, it, you know, it is, it does pay to have a realtor that has experience doing it. So yeah, it's, it, it's nice. You, you guys both did good work. Congratulations on this deal. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. I would second it. Whenever you hear something that scares you, turn your fear into a number because math is not scary. I remember I said, that's advice I gave on the first ever podcast I did when I hosted with Brandon. And I said the same thing. We were talking about lead-based paint. And I was like, I don't care if it's lead-based paint. I don't, don't think poison. Think, well, what would it cost to fix that? Same thing happens with uh, asbestos. People hear that word. They freak out. Termites, they freak out. Foundation, they freak out. Cloud on title, turn it into a dollar. Work the dollar number into the deal. See if this app works for the seller. You could take something very scary and turn it into something very approachable. So thank you guys. That's a. I've always found with asbestos, it's best to not ask questions. Um, that that's always been my. It's best to leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, do you know how they name Worcestershire sauce? <laughs> Worcestershire Shishin sauce. Yeah, how? Some guy that took his uh, dentures out was asking Worcestershire sauce. All right, Peter, Keith, congrats on the deal. Thanks for being back on the show. We will see you soon. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from six, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me. 
This is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash BiggerPockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. All right, Dave. Let's start with you. Yep. What's your background in real estate investing? So I, uh, I initially started real estate investing back in the early 2000s. Um, I had purchased about six um, out-of-state uh, properties, um, two in Texas, two in Kansas City, Missouri, and two in Vancouver, Washington, um, and uh, kind of had, had bad timing, a little bit of some uh, bad experience with a couple property management companies and uh I got out around the the housing crash in 2008 I was able to salvage some um some deals to get out and uh and so then I just uh that's where I started and then I just been sitting on the sidelines the last few years uh kind of uh, needing a I guess another push to get back in and and finally got it last year um and then uh ended up purchasing a couple or properties this year what was that push? Honestly, it was you. <laughs> um, I uh, I found a podcast that you, uh, the Bigger Pod Pockets podcast on YouTube. Watched a couple videos, um, joined the website, became a member, and then quickly purchased your book, Long Distance Real Estate Investing, and uh, spent a lot of Saturday and Sunday mornings reading that out in the porch. And uh, a lot of things you had to say resonated with me, and. Uh, got me off my butt and, uh, and, uh, the rest was history, I guess. What, what was it? What was there a specific moment in that? Was it like you finished the book and you're like, I'm ready to do this. Was it just, uh, yeah, being, being part of the bigger pockets forums and, and getting back into the community. What, what was that shift? Was it like a conversation you had or I'm just, I'm, I'm always curious to hear how our members are able to kind of get to that point where they take action and get back in the game or get into the game at all? Well, I knew, I knew I wanted to get back in, but there, I did have a lot of reservations because of some of the issues I had with my prior experiences, um, investing out of state. And so, um, a lot of, you know, back then it was a, a lot different than it is now with, uh, and, and 
David mentions it a lot in his book with technology um, is such a plus right now. Um, so that, you know, being able to, you know, keep, keep, uh, you know, up to date, or actually a lot of it was really just being able to do the initial research with finding properties, um, uh, being able to look in different areas around the country, not just in my area. So using the bigger pockets, uh, rental calculator was a big tool for me. Um, but, but then, uh, you know, Throughout the book, I guess it was just the, the little things here and there with push, you know, saying, you know, letting us know there's technology here to help us, um, how to build a team. Um, and, uh, and so I just, uh, decided to take a chance and sent, uh, an email to Dahlia through the bigger pockets web, a website. And very cool, man. Well, thank, thank you for that. So tell us, you, you end up getting back into it. You find your fire again. What were your goals getting back into real estate? Did they differ t- too much from when you got into real estate to begin with? Quite a bit different now. Um, you know, I'm a few years older now. Um, my, I have two, two sons are 15 and 16. So I think it was my motivation now is twofold. One is to, um, was to, uh, you know, I'm looking more at retirement soon from my, my day job. So to have that passive income. And then two was to provide a legacy for my two boys. I love that, man. So, all right, let, let's let's start. Let's hear about this property a little bit. Um, tell us tell us about the property. What kind of property is it? Uh, it's a single family home, three bedroom, two bath. It's uh, built in 1983. It's uh, in the outskirts of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, one story uh, needed some work. I think the the uh, the seller had been in there a while and. Um, it's definitely needed some updates. So I went in there and did some updates, but, uh, pretty simple. Yeah. Cool. And so this property showed up and did you take it to Dahlia? How did you even come across it to begin with? Actually, it was the opposite. I, through the, uh, through Zillow, I had been looking at properties in that area. And had, when I contacted Dahlia through Bigger Pockets website, um, I actually had came to her with a property and, uh, she had told me, you know, that's, I think it was had some structural, damage i think or some problems initially yeah there was something going on with it and i i remember i was like i can get you a better property in that same price point in a better location and she did that sort of supports the point we just made in with the previous guests where we talked about going to your agent and saying this is what i want go get it is not as beneficial as saying, tell me about your market. Where are there opportunities? Because Dave, there's no way you could have known that there was a better neighborhood where you'd get better tenants and better rent and have a better experience for the same price without having that boots on the ground expertise that your agent brought. You're absolutely right. So Dahlia, from your position, right? You're a real estate agent and people come to you and they say, tell me about this house. That's like always, I get the screenshot. What about this one? Like that's our favorite as an agent because we don't know what you're asking. (laughs) What about it, (laughs) right? Or they just send you the link. Yes, they don't even or, ask. Just yeah, like, just here. <laughs> That's funny. That's exactly right. When you get that kind of information, what goes through your head that many clients would never know a realtor's thinking? Well, I mean, I'm always very transparent with my clients. So when they send me a property, I'm going to tell them exactly what I think, just like what I told Dave. So if somebody sends me a property, I'm going to quickly pull disclosures, let them know anything that's going on with the property. I'm going to tell you if I think it's worth what they're asking. I'm going to tell you, I think this one's going to go quick. Um, you know, all those things that are going to affect me telling you like, yes, I think this is a property to pursue or, and and that's going to be a question for the buyer as well. If that's, you know, if there's any repairs, for instance, that come up on the disclosures, that may be something that's a deal breaker for them. 
And uh, the the property that you found him, where'd you find that one? That one was in Broken Arrow. I found it on MLS. I think it was maybe a week after he had first reached out to me about that other property. And I told him, you know what? I can find you something better. I think a week later, this one came up and I told him, hey, I think this could be a good one. It's priced well. It's going to go quick. I knew he was a cash buyer, which is always, you know, if you can use cash, it's always to your advantage. Um, so I was like, let's get in there and make an offer. All right. And then how much did you make the offer for on this house? So I believe they were asking, do you remember Dave exactly how much they were asking? I think it was 150, 155. We came in maybe 6k over. It was 149 and we offered, yeah, 155, I believe. And why did you choose to go over asking on this one? Cause I knew it was going to go over, um, the the tough thing is how much can we go over it's it's always like the lottery i feel like how much can i get over and get this property but i don't want to go over too much i want to spend the least amount of money possible but what you're describing is the dilemma that everyone has in a hot market we in california this is a common issue right so the house is listed for 800,000 it's got 20 different offers you know it's going yeah. over the 800 but nobody wants to pay 900 if they could have paid 875 Exactly. So you always end up in this odd, well, I want to go, I don't want to lose it, but I don't want to go too much. And it creates this paralysis that will probably knock out 75% of buyers. And that's where having an agent that's experienced, like sometimes I can just get the listing agent to say, if you write this offer, we'll accept it right now. And at least then the buyer knows I could choose yes or no. It removes that throw your name in a hat and hope type of a thing? Was it, was it a situation similar to that for you? So what I always do is I always feel the agent out. And, you know, technically we're not supposed to disclose price, correct? But I like to do a few little fun tricks <laughs> and I like <laughs> to put a number out there and say, hey, is this number competitive? And a lot of times I'll get a yes or no. Is that a Tulsa thing that you're not supposed to disclose price, what your buyer would pay? I, it could be an Oklahoma real estate thing. Um, I don't know about the other state laws, but we are not supposed to disclose price um, of offers unless the seller tells us that we can. And that just really never happens. Yeah. I, I always just go with the uh, the blink twice, you know, if this is a competitive <laughs> offer that, that would be accepted. Yeah. yeah that's a, I mean, yeah, they, they could get tricky when you're going that route and every state has their own law. So I can't speak to all of it, but I know in general, sure. Agents can have a discussion about would this work without saying my buyer would pay this. That's the way I always try to frame it. I usually mm -hmm. say, Hey, my client's going to listen to whatever I tell them. So let's see if you and I can make this thing work. And then we'll go back to our clients and we'll propose what we came up with that alone. If you get an agent that will do that, it puts you in the top one, two percent of chances of getting that house. It's because most agents just email off an offer and say, I hope we get it. Like literally, like you said, the lottery, just pick numbers. So it sounds like your experience recognize, you know, I think six grand over asking would make it so that the seller would jump on our offer without having to pay 30 grand over asking. Uh, and that was just a result of you knowing the market, right? Yes. And Dave, how did you feel when that first got brought up? Hey, I think we, we should go six grand over when most investors are asking the question of, well, how much under can I get it for? You know, at that point, I had a lot of confidence in Dahlia. Um, she had been really transparent with me and how the market in that area is performing. Um, and she had told me it, the, the crazy thing is she told me this is what I think we should offer. And this is what I think they'll come back at. And she was spot on. Um, so I, I think I had a, to answer your question. I had a lot of confidence with Dahlia before. 
um, she made the offer and I, and two, I was hungry enough where I didn't want to lose a deal over $5,000 or $6,000. So I commend you, man. And I'm not here as an agent telling everyone just pay a million dollars for every house. Okay. But let me just bring up the other side of this in 2015, 2016, I saw a lot of people walk away from $500,000 homes because they needed to pay 510 and they all bragged they didn't want to overpay. And now these houses are worth $800,000, We see this a lot when you're in real estate for the long term that you can step over dollars to pinch pennies. And that's all. I'm just asking people to have a mature view, not getting sucked into the details and the ego of feeling like you won. Because sometimes paying less than asking price is a viable option. Like with our last guest, sometimes you win paying over. It's what the property's worth and what it produces, not what it's listed for. So uh, Dahlia, you then had to go in and negotiate this. In addition to having to pay a little bit over asking, was there anything else that you recognized when you felt out the agent that made you think this was a good opportunity? I just knew that price point and that location was very hard to come by. Um, and that was earlier this year. And now at this time of year, it's really non-existent. So I'm sure he's already gained some equity on that property. But um, as far as being able to secure the deal, I think we did as is. And I think we did quick close because I know those are always the things that these type of sellers are looking for. Yeah, just really quick, out of curiosity, Dave, you brought a property to Dahlia. Dahlia's like, eh, eh, I'm going to find you a better deal. Obviously, for you, I'm sure you were ready to take action. You probably were a little impatient because you're like, dang it, it's going to take so long to get it. So, how long did it actually take to get to uh, to this new property under contract? You know, I looked at that uh, that number this morning, and we were under um, under a week. Oh, nice. Okay, wow, super fast. Okay, and, uh, how did you how did you fund it? Uh, paid cash for that property. Okay, and uh, what did you end up doing with it? Um, I've got a long-term rental renter in there now. Um, I, actually, before I got a renter in there, we did some uh, some rehab work about roughly about seventeen thousand dollars worth of rehab work. Okay, so was it a total burr, or was it just a remodel that you you paid for out of pocket? A uh, remodel I paid for out of pocket. Okay, what what was what the seventeen thousand dollars of repair get you a lot? What did you actually do with that budget? Uh, living in California and seeing uh, prices for materials in in Oklahoma and labor in Oklahoma, I, f- I felt like I didn't pay a lot at all. But um... <laughs> I know that feeling every time I travel and I get to get gas, and it's like in the threes. For the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, it's yeah. like free. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's, it's a crazy feeling. Um, so we did. Uh, New, we tore out all the flooring, put in new flooring, um, new appliances, new windows, um, re- paint, um, water heater, uh, did some work in the garage. So not a, not a full on, uh, remodel, but definitely sprucing it up and getting it up market ready, basically. Exactly. And, um, what, what was the outcome with it? Once you got it all ready to go, you rent it out long term basis to give us some numbers. The crazy thing was, so I ended up using a property management company that Dahlia had, uh, uh, referred to me. And so we, uh, went in on a Friday, I think, and listed it on, you know, on the MLS for rent. Um, I heard back from property manager on Monday that we had 75 interested parties and 25 physical applications in, in her hand. So, um, so we had a buyer, we had a renter in there by within, I think, 10 days or so, less than that, actually. That's crazy, man. That's a lot. So Dave, it sounds like having cash actually put you in the driver's seat for this deal. It gave you a big advantage. Do you mind sharing where that cash came from and what gave you that advantage? 
about seven or eight years ago, my wife and I decided to purchase some land in Northern Idaho. We, uh, we purchased 44 acres, um, in a spot that we had felt would, uh, you know, we, we wanted to retire at, build a home on that, that property. Um, and the, uh, fortunately the, the price of real estate and especially land in that area just has skyrocketed. So I got contacted by a realtor, uh, early last year, um, wanting that land and he, uh, he didn't give up till he got it. So we ended up selling that land and, uh, and then just about that time I was, uh, reading, uh, Robert Kiyosaki again and, and I, the, you know, the liability versus asset. And I thought, wow, you know, we, we need more assets and real estate's a perfect asset. So. So would you say that the choice to delay the gratification of having a dream house or a dream car or a dream yacht or all the things that you tend to see on social media actually led to you being in a position where you could invest that money, make it grow. And then maybe someday this property could buy some of those things for you. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that is a principle that we believe here at Bigger Pockets. And I'd love to see that highlighted. It's that delayed gratification. If you set yourself up right, it's not this or that. You could have this and that. It's all about timing. So Dahlia, any takeaways from this deal that you'd like to share with our audience that maybe they should consider when they're reaching out to talk to a new agent? So I feel like the biggest things are first making sure that you're ready financially. So if that's going to be you using financing, get pre-qualified right away. Um, if it's cash, we need proof of, proof of funds. All those things are important. I can't submit offers without it. And, you know, sometimes these deals come up and there's a sense of urgency and you can potentially miss out if you're not ready and don't have your, you know, your ducks lined up, I guess you could say. That's one of the biggest things. Um, just knowing the, the market that you want to be in, um, researching it a little bit, and then really finding a great agent that has the resources that are going to be imperative for investing out of state. You know, boots on the ground is the most important thing, really, um, when you're investing out of state. Now, it can be very frustrating to find those people, to find the agent, to find the contractor, to find the property manager, and to a smaller degree to find your loan officer or your lending source. But once you find them, you can scale a lot faster. Dave, I understand you bought more than one property with Dahlia. Is that correct? That's correct. Ended up buying uh, a second property about two and a half months after purchasing that first property. Cool. That's fast. It's not always a linear process. It's kind of like you walk around trying to find the well and you keep digging and digging and digging and there's no water. But then when you finally find it, you have all this water and your wealth grows exponentially. Definitely. And and I think, you know, having Dahlia, you know, in your book, you mentioned a lot about setting up your network and, and it's hard to do when you're investing out of state. But luckily I, you know, I found Dahlia and she had a network already in place and she brought me into that network and that's made all the difference. And that's, that's why that second property went so smooth as well. Awesome. Well, Dave, if people want to reach out and talk to you more, where can they find you? I'll give you my, my, uh, company website. It's a DRD insurance agency. Um, I've got my email on there. Um, yeah, if anyone has any questions or anything, re please reach out to me. All right. And Dahlia, how about you? Um, you can always find me on Bigger Pockets on the Agent Finder. You can also find me on Facebook at ASN Realty Group. You can also email me at asnrealtygroup at gmail.com. 
if people want to find you on there, how, how do they find you on the on the agent finder? Yeah, just go to the Tulsa market and look for Dahlia Calif, and I'm going to pop up on there. Then before you go, where can people find out more about you, Keith? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook, you know, just Keith Lull, or or on Instagram, uh, K Lawler One, L A L L E R One. Um, but the, that's basically it. All right, go give Keith a follow. And Peter, how about you? Oh, uh, you can find me right on the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder. And if you have any troubles with that, I'm right at PeterStewartRealty.com, and Stewart is S T E W A R. Great. So the the agent finder, if they type in Peter Stewart, they'll be able to find you. Peter Stewart, Indianapolis. I should pop right up. Perfect. That's how I found him. Okay. Awesome. Rob, how about you? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me over on YouTube. Topical. I just created. I just released a video called uh, "How I Self Manage My Properties Without Living in the Same City," and I talk about not the core four, David, but the Airbnb Avengers, which is like my version of the core four for short term rental. So go check that out. That's the only thing I'm going to plug. What about you? If people want to see your chiseled new body, which platform is the best to find it? Uh, Instagram. Instagram, where I do silly dances and silly reels. That's where not, they'll get the know, body shot, not just the face. I do want to clarify. I don't want we, you know, I don't want people to get to be pecan and be like expecting me to be ripped. I'm just slimming down, but we still have some padding that we're we're working on. That might be why I'm doing this subconsciously. I'm like, look, if I can create such a high expectation for Rob, they'll be disappointed. And then when they see me when they're not disappointed, that by proxy looks like kind of equals it out. I overwhelmed their expectations and exceeded them. This is psychological warfare, folks. You're learning more than just real estate here at Bigger Pocket. Lovable and huggable. That that that's all that really matters for me. That's what I'm going for. There you go. You can find me at David Green 24 on your favorite social media. Instagram is where I'm most active or davidgreen24.com to see all that I have going on and how I can help people. Well, thanks you too. Love hearing about these deals. Love hearing that people are still finding ways to buy real estate that makes sense, even in an impossible market. So uh, we hope to see you here again. I hope you keep buying property, Dave and Dahlia. Keep crushing it. And Dahlia, also, if you haven't checked out my real estate agent books, I'd love if you would. And then let me know what you think. Oh, I have checked out your books. I love all the Bigger Pockets books. Oh, all of them. We got a real true fan here. Well, that's great to hear. Thanks for that, Dahlia. All right. I'll let you guys get out of here. This is David Green for Rob Lovable and Huggable Abasolo. Signing off. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose.
BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.